It's Morning Radio TBD coming up on the program. Are your leftovers trying to kill you? Find out before the end of the episode. Did Ryan and Josh ever play their lucky lotto numbers from last week? And our top story, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? All this and more on Morning Radio TBD. Thanks for joining us today, ladies and gentlemen. It is at the time of this recording, Tuesday, January 24th, about 7.30 a.m. Central Time here in Nashville and uh, 8.30-ish around there uh, down in Orlando. Josh, thanks for kicking us off today. Uh, how, uh, how are you this morning, Josh? How's, how's things going other than feeling a little, a little slightly under the weather? Oh, I'm fine. It's, you know, okay. morning's <laughs> throat stuff. I, of course, yeah. I have not had my hot beverage this morning. Uh, fortunately, I'm, I'm not one of those kind of people that's like, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. It's like, okay, no, you're just an asshole, but fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I genuinely, well, I, I'm, I'm not going to say I genuinely believe that. I guess some people really do need their caffeine kick. I, I unironically love coffee because I just love coffee like my mom always tries to apologize when i go home she's like i know it's not going to be like the coffee that you make with your poor i'm like i don't don't fucking care it's coffee i love everything about coffee like i just it's it's wonderful so i like to start my day with coffee because i just really fucking enjoy coffee you helped me kind of break into coffee a little bit because i've always been very anti-coffee thanks to you i realized i was just really bougie about it (laughs) Uh, because i don't like i don't like the bitter aftertaste of coffee but you showed me he's like (laughs) ryan came to my wedding years ago and he brought a grinder fresh Mm -hmm. beans and a french press and apparently that's the way i need to do coffee it has to be a medium roast bean that's freshly ground yes and then fresh pressed and all that cuts that coffee aftertaste by like a million it it is stunning how much the flavor of coffee i mean i guess i shouldn't say stunning it should be obvious but i i I feel like because um we're in such like an instant coffee culture and i don't mean instant coffee like coffee crystals i mean like you know you you put a couple of scoops of folgers in the drip machine and, and let it run i don't think that people really appreciate like the the depth and complexity that coffee really has to offer and most people who say that they don't like it are probably drinking bad coffee or they just aren't preparing it right and immersion coffee like french press oh man forget about it like it's it's just it's so good my my days really do mostly start off with i make pour over or i have an espresso machine um, a true like manual espresso machine um, or semi-automatic but anyway uh but i on the weekends i love to make a nice big pot of French press. And like you said, it just has a good mellow flavor. It brings out all the good aromas of the beans and fresh ground beans make all the difference in the world compared to the stuff that comes out of the the tin can. I'm still mostly a tea guy. Uh, Dude, I'm getting into loose leaf tea. What's your uh, what's your go to white tea? Oh, okay. (laughs) I I like a lot of different teas. It's just I've always amalgamated to that taste over coffee. Sure. Um, maybe it's because part of my secretly wishing I was British. Ooh, gray, hot. It's wonderful. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> yeah, I can't uh, can't fault it. No morning drink today. Going a little early. I uh, my wife and son listened to last episode. Oh, okay. What the were their thoughts? Well, I we were painfully aware of how much we swear because my kid would call it out every single time. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> He loves the F word. I was like, it's really fun to say. Try it when you're older. Try it. (laughs) Well, he has a kid. He has a he has a classmate that um, whose parents make certain choices that I would not make as a parent. And I made a mistake of telling my son that 
And he, of course, went and told that kid that. I was like, great, great. He's going to oh, take that back home. That's and awkward. And be like, hey, some other parent thinks you're a bad parent. Great. That's cool. No, but I, I actually, I like the way that you introduced that, where you said it wasn't that you thought that they, were, they, they make different parent choices than you would. And I, you know... I think that there's there's a couple of things that I could probably tag as objectively bad ways to parent, you know, like corporal abuse uh, being among them. But for the most part, I think that everybody just sort of stylistically is a little bit different in how they raise their kids. And as long as you have your kids' best interest in mind, I imagine you're going to do the best that you can by them. But I, I like the way that you you phrase that. They make <laughs> different parenting choices. But yeah, well, I can also hear a hyper... Is- yeah, go ahead. Among that is the uh, the swearing mm. because my kid will be like, so and so, he said the, and then he'll say the word. And I'll be like, no, uh, no, no, you no, can't no. say it. He's like, no, I'm yeah. just telling you, this is what he said. I was like, nope, nope, that's a we loophole. Still don't. That's not accepted. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Nice try. <laughs> I, I actually remember, um, I was reflecting on this funny enough this morning. I remember the age that my dad basically told me, as long as I was singing along with song lyrics, I could use the words in the lyrics, but I could not use them conversationally. Like that was, that was essentially my, you know, that, that was my steam vent, you know, was to, to get that out (laughs) was as long as I was, you know, singing along with trashy lyrics, I could swear in front of at least my dad, uh, minimally, but yeah, I wasn't allowed to use it conversationally. It's uh, kind of interesting to see how many swear words are very cultural. Like my wife will recognize certain words as not being a swear word. I'm like, no, if he says it in school, he's going to get in trouble. He's going to get, get in trouble. trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, cause I, like my, uh, my mom especially was very conservative about how we use language. And I think crap was considered a swear word until I was at least in sixth grade. Oh yeah. I couldn't say sucks. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's one that I'm hearing more and more often is sucks is, is not allowed. And I'm like, well, sucks as in C K S or sucks with an X. Cause that's the real one. <laughs> that's the real bad one. It's misspelled and immensely more satisfying phonetically. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> uh, I love it. Now, language is a funny thing. I think we touched on it. Like shit, now, I can't remember if it was uh, there. I go. Like I, I can't even like. <laughs> now you're gonna be hyper aware of it. All I'm gonna be really aware under. of it. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember if it was the cinema podcast or this one where we touched on uh, YouTube getting like really persnickety about uh, language in their. Uh, in their videos, like to the point that people with like followerships in the millions are getting demonetized uh, because they use certain language. Yeah. And uh, it, 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 it's it's so it's so fascinating to me. Like, why is that the hill they decided to die on? I, I actually I don't get that, especially again, considering that a lot of the, you know, early notoriety that was brought to YouTube that like pushed it into the forefront was the angry review paradigm and not just like angry video game nerd but like you know there was the angry joe show and uh there was i think nostalgia critic kind of fell into this this category but like angry reviews that were objectively profane tended to be what got the most attention and now they're they're taking a hard stance against uh against that kind of language i I think it's funny so i was going to be mindful of our swearing for this episode, not that okay. we're labeled as a family-friendly podcast, but we I was like, not. I'll try to stay on top of it. Okay. And then things happened in the world, <laughs> and this is going to be kind of a ranty episode, so there might be more language. Yeah, Josh and I sort of touched on what we wanted to talk about today, um, especially as we try and like move towards being a little bit more 
uh, like relevant and, and, and just sort of staying on top of, you know, current trends and things that are going on in pop culture, politics, all that, the, the current events of the day. And when Josh brought this one up to me, I was like, I, I have strong feelings and I don't feel good about the fact that I have strong feelings because part of what I have strong feelings about is the fact that people have strong feelings about this topic. So I'm going to let you kick it off. <laughs> it is, it is, uh, it's unfortunate. Yes, it is. Because in a certain way we are, we're, we're feeding, but I, I still need to talk about it. I get it off your chest. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's dive into this thing. So my Twitter timeline is all messed up. Thanks, Elon. Uh, Fuck you. And I see random stuff that I would never come across on my own and stuff that I would follow has disappeared completely. So I'm still trying to fix that. Uh, But in this case, what randomly popped up was a tweet from Eminem's. And I had to look around and try really hard to make sure this was not like a fake post because the whole thing is just ludicrous. And just to clarify, we are talking about the candy Melt in your mouth, not in your hand, Eminem, not the rapper Eminem. He is not the source of controversy. We're talking about the little chocolate candies, Eminem's by Mars. Go ahead, Josh. Here's the statement from Eminem's. America, let's talk. In the last year, we've same, made some changes to our beloved spokes candies. We weren't sure if anyone would even notice, and we definitely didn't think it would break the internet. But now we get it. Even a candy's shoe can be polarizing, which was the last thing Eminem's wanted since we are all about bringing people together. Therefore, we have decided to take an indefinite pause from the spokes candies. In their place, we are proud to introduce a spokesperson America can agree on, the beloved Maya Rudolph. We are confident Ms. Rudolph will champion the power of fun to create a world where everyone feels they belong. There are certain things in this statement that led me down the rabbit hole of being like, okay, is this real? Here's, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to qualify it this way once, and then we can go completely off the rails with this, because I think off the rails is where this conversation deserves to go. I think there is a possibility. This is a publicity stunt and they are trolling everybody. Like basically saying we're taking the spokes candies away just, you know, uh, because we've become controversial. That is that is the only world where I think this statement makes any kind of sense. Now, if we get back to this post Harambe timeline that we're in, uh, unpack your thoughts, Josh. I'm going to start with dissecting this statement a little bit and go for it. Certain things that made me think, oh, this might be less than genuine. They talk about making changes. They weren't sure people would notice. And we definitely didn't think it would break the internet. I hate the phrase break the internet. Nothing (laughs) breaks the internet. There's something that will go viral and become a thing that that's the only thing people are talking about. Uh, But even that is not entirely accurate. It's just about what you're funneled towards, what the algorithm has generated and determined is, is the popular thing. And I think the idea of break the internet comes from like this concept that you have generated so much attention that you actually crash servers at whatever social media platform. And and I believe if I if I remember correctly, break the internet originated with like the famous Ellen selfie that got like shared a million times at, at the Oscars or something like that, where there's a bunch of it's Ellen DeGeneres and a bunch of stars in it. And apparently it became so popular it temporarily crashed Twitter. Now somebody can like spell check me on that. I don't know if that's like it was either that or Kim Kardashian's butt. Yeah, it was one of those. Internet. I don't it remember. Was the original it, exactly? And the idea is that it, it temporarily shut down service because there was so much attention being paid to it. I think that is the idea. I don't know that we have seen anything go quite that degree of viral ever since either one of those things in a way 
that actually damaged like the infrastructure of whatever social media platform it was being shared on. The follow-up statement, now we get it. Even a candy's shoes can be polarizing. I'm sorry, if that was me writing that, there is so much passive aggressive anger in me typing that. I would tell you right now. I'd be like, yeah, people are really freaking out about fucking shoes. Oh, can't write fucking shoes. <laughs> so my guess is, because again, I, I can see this going one of two different ways. If if this is a trolling effort, then that was specifically there to elicit a response. Uh, if this is genuine, if they are taking the spokes candies away for a while because they think that they have actually become controversial in some way, that is the most passive aggressive statement of the entire thing, which is this is what you people are fucking worried about. The M&M's shoes. This is where your attention is drawn. Like you're you're so... Well, Go on. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, sorry to butt in here, no, but no. to provide some context on this, um, it absolutely is because I, I know Tucker goddamn Carlson lost his mind over this shit. Apparently. Yes. There was a whole segment where he rails against the green Eminem losing her heels and wearing a more comfortable shoe. I mean, the, 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 the popular reaction that I saw at the time was this guy turned on by a green Eminem. I get it. She was marketed as sexy as hell. Like she was. And when she had like the glasses and she did the thing, like I remember the ads. So I'm just like, she was marketed <laughs> to be attractive. I was like, I need some Eminems. There was a thing where they were like, oh, if you get the green Eminems, they make you horny. Like that was a, that was. Oh a my thing. God. <laughs> okay so here's here here's my follow-up to this because there is now this isn't going to shock anybody but there is so much intellectual dishonesty and like moral hypocrisy in this this idea because it's it, it it's absolutely fucking ridiculous that people are like oh so the green m&m can't be sexy anymore you're sexualizing a candy and yet there are like there are legitimate wings of the Republican Party that believe that teachers are grooming children. Like, are, are you out of your goddamn mind? Like, which one is it? It drives me so crazy that they want M&Ms to be sexy. And yet there is moral outrage about what they think is like sex education or, or their whatever it is. I, I, I don't I don't understand the uh, I, I don't understand the through line. I don't understand the, like the complete inconsistency here. Why is the M&M, the green M&M? changing out of go-go boots such a fucking issue for these people thank you <laughs> no I, i'm trying to organize my thoughts here no the, the man has a popular primetime show that people treat as a news show i'm yes. sorry but when you have a whole segment that is railing against m&ms for changing their look something that brands do all the time with the their time. stuff to stay relevant and you just went on this big stupid tirade about m&ms because of how an anthropomorphized spokes candy looks how does anyone take you seriously as as after news that? And, and how is this something that his audience is like going yeah i i agree like they have just they have gone too far you know taking away the, the making the the m&m less exactly. sexy like, where is your brain where, where is, your, is your brain that you're like oh this is yeah this is legitimate fast fact there are at least 30 million americans in the united states about 10 percent of the population who are un or underinsured as far as their health insurance goes that means that like basic health care they cannot afford right like they can't get medicine they can't go to the doctor basic things that keep human beings alive those are conversation topics that I feel like deserve a little bit more attention. This guy with his his 
immense platform like you're talking about is wasting his time on whether or not the green M&M is sexy enough. But what's truly bonkers, Ryan, is this generated enough attention that M&M's had to respond to it. And then it happened again this past month where they introduced the purple M&M. They have this whole line that's about like inclusivity and like empowering women. And so it was spearheaded by the green, brown, and now a purple peanut M&M who are all female spokes candies. And so and people again, are now losing their mind again over it. Cause I wondered why M&Ms had come back up. I remember this original like blow up, but I was like, why are M&Ms back in the news? Like they can't, did they change her back to the sexy green M&M and now people are pissed because uh, they think that she's grooming their kids? Like what's, what's going on? No, now there's, a, there was, I think it was M&Ms just marketing a new, you know, a new branding thing where it was just like, and hey, we stand with female empowerment and America led by, you know, primetime idiot was like, no, 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 not my candy. It, it, that's and that's the thing is it's candy. The fact that it's a candy is so mask off because it, it's not an objection to a marketing campaign. It's it's an objection to what do they think the marketing campaign says about people it's like is this how oh my god i i don't even like now i feel like i have brain worms just trying to talk about this because like i i don't i don't get it i i don't get how you can get so angry at a goddamn candy i'm like it's got to be a slow news day for you dude that this is what you rail against Uh, but there's also a very cynical part of my brain that's like oh how does this impact the M&M sales. I, so if anything, I say I, I, my guess is M&M sales go up because it's it's mm-hmm. just brand attention and brand awareness. And honestly, one of the um, you know best things that you possibly can do is to talk about your competitors. It, it's, it's one of the best things you can do for your competitors' businesses to talk about them. So um, you know, one of the reasons that you don't hear, you know, like in car commercials anymore, you, you don't as much hear like Ford to talk directly about their vehicles outlasting, you know, Toyota or something like that. I don't know that that's even true, but um, it's because they, they don't actually, they, they don't want to say their competitor's name in the same breath as they're trying to pitch their own, uh, their own product. So by uh, fucker Carlson elevating this in the first place, my guess is, is he is um, like, he's just bringing more attention to M&Ms and I think ultimately it will help their sales, which could it might have on their part been an absolutely brilliant marketing scheme, which is they figured out they're like, wow, we saw how much attention was drummed up the first time we changed things. Let's go all in and see how people lose their mind this time. It's very possible Eminem is an agent of chaos and is uh, just sowing discord to drive up their own sales. There are <laughs> legitimate gripes people can bring up against big candy yes uh you know you can talk about the lead and cadmium levels in huge some of the big chocolate recently. makers yes uh, you could talk about uh to me the most evil corporation on the planet nestle oh my uh, god they're unforgivable i try very hard to boycott nestle products but it is so difficult because i feel like every week they have bought a new food and like their um their incursion into coffee is really frightening because coffee is our, like, I know we've spent the the better part of this morning talking about it, but coffee is actually um, an endangered species now. And there is a, a very real concern that due to climate change in the next 20 years, coffee will become uh, like prohibitively expensive. Like it just, it, it will exist in such small quantities that you, it, it'll be like 
20 bucks just for a, you know, a, a cup of coffee. And Nestle is a huge contributor to that problem. Uh, it's, it, it's not just like the way that they like strip mine, um, you know, the, the lands that, um, they, they get their, their coffee from, but they also have been caught employing like child labor and, you know, borderline slave labor. It's really fucked up. Like Nestle is, Nestle is pretty goddamn evil. And that could be a bigger conversation another time, because if you yeah. go down that rabbit hole, it, it's hard to have like a moral high ground because there's so much of what we consume in our lives that, is, that have connections to just and that, stuff. That's a connection, uh, a conversation about corporate consolidation. And everybody thinks that we are like living in a post monopoly age, but we absolutely are not. Like there are a couple of corporations in each industry that really, I know this is going to sound like, you know, the progressive hippie is telling you what the real crime is. Um, but <laughs> there legitimately are just a few companies in most sectors of commerce that widely control a lot of what comes through that sector to the, to the point that you, you just don't have as many options as you think you do to break away from, uh, these, these morally evil and corrupt brands. Nestle is a, a great example of it. It's, it's, and it's I'm not sure. Great. I'm sure Mars Wrigley has their own skeletons in their closet. Absolutely. I just don't think the spokes candies were part of that. No. And, and that's, I, I think, cause you mentioned earlier, like it must've been a slow news day when they were ranting and raving about this. My mind goes to what are they actually trying to distract from? Um, exactly. because, uh, one, what is, what was, you know, Tucker Carlson trying to distract from that night? Like, you know, in, in all of these outrages that he's having over the goddamn fucking M&Ms, what is it that he's trying to avoid talking about? But also again, a very cynical mind, but I think not terribly unrealistic could look at this move by Mars and M&M and going, well, what are they trying to distract from? Because I don't think there was enough of, you know, a bullshit controversy over this, that they had to make this move. So again, right. it's it, just weird all around. They had is. the spokes candies since like the fifties. Right. It's, it's very, very strange to me. And, uh, so either this is a, tr again, I think it might be a tremendous trolling effort. I think this is just like a, a, a huge, you know, a massive troll on their part, but if it's legitimate, a, what are they trying to distract from? Uh, two, you know, to quote Buzz from uh, Old Home Alone, A, two, and D. This is how we count. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, man, now I've just completely lost my train of thought. This is the problem with having, like, <laughs> rage brain. Well, let's temper the rage brain slightly. Okay. Um, because for it. I thought we could have a little fun before all the Eminem personalities disappear. Love it. Uh, I thought we should do a little quiz and find out which <laughs> personality you are. All right. I, I'm excited for this. Uh, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So I pulled up a, a five question quiz here for you. Beautiful. Let's, okay. Let's, let's find let's... out what you are, Ryan. Let's find out what uh, I am. Yeah. What do you like to do in your downtime? Read a good book, go out with friends, spend time with a significant other, watch Netflix, or go on an adventure and experience something new. Lately, I'd say read a good book. How would your friends describe you? Loyal, intelligent, confident, stressed, mom, spontaneous, or relaxed. <laughs> I'm gonna. I hope I'm not. Uh, I hope I'm not overshooting. I'm gonna go with intelligent. Are you an introvert or extrovert? Introvert. Are you right-brained or left-brained? 
uh, ooh, I remind me is left is logical, right is creative, right? Correct. Yeah, creative, right brained. Final question. Okay. When you go on vacation, do you have a strict itinerary and stick to it? Wing it and go with the flow? Have a loose plan, but are flexible. Loose plan, but flexible. Oh, man. Uh Uh-oh. You are Ms. Brown. (laughs) You are. You are the brown M&M with these sexy librarian glasses and heels. (laughs) Oh, no, Ryan. You're super smart and confident. (laughs) Definitely a CEO in a past life or in the future. Almost never wrong, but it's hard to admit when you are. Oh, shit. Oh, I got to watch out for that. This is ground shaking. Uh, I, I'm, I'm deeply complimented. Uh, apparently, I'm going to be a very successful uh, business owner one day, according to this. You go, girl boss. <laughs> your appearance is sexy, sophisticated. Uh, your best attribute. Uh, no, her best attribute is her big, beautiful brain. Okay. I mean, is this something that I can like put on my dating profile? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's going to get dated real quick because the, they're going to be like, who's... Who's the brown Who's Brown? <laughs> Who's that? I don't know. What do you mean M&Ms are people too? I don't get it. Oh, <laughs> Ryan has choked on his coffee. That's why I'm team tea. M&Ms are people too. <sighs> uh, that might be the title of the episode. m&ms are people too (laughs) so uh uh, to recap yeah do the too long didn't listen uh (laughs) internet outrage causing m&m spokes candies to go away is really freaking stupid and or a brilliant marketing ploy that we don't quite get I, I'm going to go with there is a, a reveal coming up. If I had to take a guess at anything, I mean, we're coming up on Super Bowl. This might be part of like the hype train to get like some crazy Super Bowl ad going. Oh, my God. Do you remember when they killed the planter peanut? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember when they. Cl- and do you remember the controversy that that caused? Well, they killed the Mr. Peanut. Why would you do that? Once again, I'm going to point out that Mr. Peanut is a cartoon, much like these M&Ms. <laughs> yeah, but he is distinguished. Have you seen that top hat? That oh, so you're saying Mrs. Brown is not a distinguished uh, M&M. Have you seen her glasses? I'm saying she has less accessories than Mr. Peanut. <laughs> he does have a top hat and a monocle. I mean... Exactly. Is, is it a monocle or is it a full, like, Ponsnay? It's a monocle. Is it a monocle? Okay. He's yeah. the monopoly man of peanuts. Yes. I, I don't know what else there is to say about this. Like uh, the the moral outrage or the contrived outrage about this really, really makes me call into question where pe- people's priorities are. I and, I and I now have to temper myself because I am outraged about their outrage. And I think it's... And, it, and that's how it works. Exactly. And that's how it sucks you in. Because part of me is really angry at myself. For being, for being sucked into this. Yeah. Because you're right. At the end of the day, you're like... Oh, these characters aren't even real. Like, I don't have to worry about is Ms. Brown going to find work at a librarian somewhere? I mean, I, I it sounds like she's more qualified than library work. I mean, if she is like a, a CEO, then I'm sure she'll land, you know, on an executive board somewhere. Oh, my gosh. Break through that glass ceiling, Ms. Brown. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> 
it's i'll tell you who i'm worried about it's the yellow one i don't know man the yellow one he doesn't he doesn't seem like he's got good options after this gig is over look as long as he sticks with mr red he's fine mr red is clearly the brains of that operation and i they're a pair they can't be separated (laughs) they can together they've run the same christmas ad for the past 25 years it's going to be gone now it is that's going to really mess up my upcoming holiday season uh to be watching TV and not have the same old Eminem commercial. Eminem commercial. Are, are they still doing Santa packs for uh, on Coca Cola? I feel like that's another one that, like, without Santa packs, it just doesn't. It doesn't feel like the holidays. What does that say about American consumerism? I well, we're disgusting. I mean, Let's, we're <laughs> disgusting. Let's pivot. Let's pivot. 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 <laughs> Just a random friends reference in there. All right. What else we what, what, let's talk about? What else we want to rant about? I mean, there, uh, there's unfortunately a lot to rant about. And we had this like I, we don't have to go quite as as deep dive on this one. But we had this te- teed up as a subject last week after we went through the episode without d- discussing it. I figured like it was no longer going to be topical. But unfortunately, it is. It is the uh, they continue to find classified documents at Joe Biden's place of residence. And I, uh, I, I want to offer what I hope is some uh, intellectual consistency on this, um, but uh, at the same time, uh, give a little bit of, of, of context that I feel like is missing in this whole thing. One, if he took documents that uh, endanger national security in some kind of way, way or another, first of all, I, I do not buy into the you cannot prosecute a sitting president. I didn't buy into it when this was going on with Trump. I didn't I don't buy it now. Um, in both the case of Trump and or Biden, if either one of them did something that endangered national security by removing these documents, throw the book at them like that. Just just do it. I do think there's a significant difference in the tone and tenor in which the situation is being handled. At the same time, the fact that like there's this constant. Oh, we found another one. Oh, we found another one. Oh, Ooh, we found another one. Ooh, exactly. Piece of, Ooh, piece of candy. Yeah. I, I have two questions. One, what the hell is his press team doing? Because there's no way that they didn't know about this. Like why, why do it, does it come out one document at a time? And two, I think this actually does between both of them. It raises a larger question about how we're handling confidential and classified documents in general in the government, that these things just walk away and end up at people's places of residence. One, again, one of the, like, uh, something that I think defines these two, one from the other is that, um, you know, Trump had all of his at the Mar-a-Lago club, which is a public space. I mean, it's, it's technically private because it's, it's a country club, but there's a lot of people that come through that country club on a daily basis. Whereas, you know, Biden's were in his garage in, in Wilmington, which still not a great look, you know, I don't think it's as secured as he seems to think it is. Um, but I would also say that the foot traffic is a little bit lower there. Go, you, you, you had no. something. Here's go, go here's where the story started catching my attention. I love it. Okay. Was the snippet where they were like, Hey, Mr. President, can we talk about, you know, these documents that were just like in your garage? He's like, Well, the garage was locked. I was like, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's it's not, a response. Like, how did not his entire staff not go, Oh my God? <laughs> and this is this is why I'm curious about what is his PR and like press secretary team doing? How did they not prep him with a better answer than that? Then the garage was locked like, oh, I guess that stops all criminals then, don't it? <laughs> I, I've i seen a lot of difference in not just like how 
like the legal system has has been approaching like the investigation has been approaching this and all, but also in how the media has done it and okay. i have to admit i have observed this uh the coverage has been way more nuanced and forgiving and understanding of biden's document stuff than trump and that i think kind of sucks and that lessens your own credibility because we're not actually stupid well and 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 there is no matter what at this point uh from a political standpoint there is a loss of moral high ground on this issue in general absolutely yeah what i will say is if there if there is nuance to be treated here it is in volume and it's in uh intent Trump resisted the, you know, the, this process at every step, tried to tie it up in litigation for literally years. It, it, it took them years to, to start to get these documents back. And the number of documents, the sheer volume that he had was of extraordinary concern. Now, I'm, it's now getting to a point where I, I have no faith or, or confidence in Biden's defense on this anymore, where they're like, no, we've got them all. I'm like, I don't I don't fucking believe it. So it may come out that he has a similar trove elsewhere, at which point you're going to reach a, a place of complete moral equivalency, which is not a good look. I, I do think that like the way that they've tried to cooperate, the the fact that it's a few dozen versus a few hundred do add some additional nuance to this. I'm not going to deny that you you have a point that the the coverage of it is 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 different. Yes, because now it seems uh, from what we're being told, people have a, have a tendency to pack up classified documents, and you know it's always kind of a big whoopsie. A thing, and the important thing is when you find them, you alert people and you get them back, and no harm, no foul. Come on, now yes, there is a difference in these two stories because. I think it all kicked off from, if I'm remembering my details right, it kicked off with Biden's own people being like, oh, shoot, we've got classified documents. Guys, just heads up. We we took we took a library book home uh, for too long. Our bad. One, Whereas one thing, that, one thing that I will say is is deeply suspect about the timeline on that, though, is they knew before the midterms and they chose to hang on to that information. Oh, well, yeah. But, uh, you know, honestly, like that's not surprising. I know, that's I, not even offensive to me because I'm like, yeah, of course you would. Both, I, I, both teams would do that. I, I I don't disagree, but again, if if people are going to make a moral equivalency out of these two things, that's suspect. But still, the difference there is with Trump. They were like, uh, "Trump, you you have some documents." No, I don't. Exactly, no, you, you do. They're they're. I can see them right there. <laughs> they're right over there. You, they're they're on display. It, it's got the red stamp classified all over it. You framed it. Uh, I don't know. No, no, no. You know that's his current defense is I thought they were cool looking. That's why I took them. They were keepsakes. It's gone from, no, I didn't take them, to, yes, I did take them, but they're mine, to, I can declassify them. This is, I, I don't know why Biden hasn't just come out and said, I declassified all this with my mind, because it fucking worked for Trump. So I'm like, <laughs> Biden needs to come out and declassify these documents with his mind, and every, and it all goes away. It, it'll all go away, but we need he needs to establish that he did declassify them with his mind. Uh, yeah, but now Trump's claim is um, he just thought they were cool looking, and that's why he kept so many. Here's oh, here's the thing: I get walking away with a document. You know, apparently there's still a lot of paper pushing going on in, in D.C., which is it blows my mind. But I could see you walk off with a folder, right? <clears throat> you put it in your briefcase. If people are still using briefcases, and you, like you said, you get home and you're like, "Whoopsie, I took a library book I wasn't supposed to," and there's a process and it gets returned. Biden is in a place now where it's dozens. 
how do people walk away with this many classified documents? I think it just it depends on who's doing your packing. If you hired the college hunks to that pack is, up and move your stuff out of the house, uh, stuff might get mispacked. If there is anything that's going to discourage younger people from getting into government work, it's when they throw their fucking aides under the bus like that. Like, I didn't pack it. It must have been one of my aides. And now you have a kid who is, you know, trying to help with a White House transition uh, under investigation for stealing classified documents. Get the fuck out of here. Take some take some responsibility for your shit. Like, that's so gross to me. I don't think there's actually kids packing up White House stuff. I think they're adults. I, I don't know, man. There were some young people on Trump's transitions team. That's, uh, you know, that's Cassidy different. Cassidy Hutchins, you know, who had that like, you know, breathtaking testimony. She gave testimony on what it was like in the final days of, of Trump's, um, you know, during the January 6th incident. She's 26. So I, I think there are like kids working in these these positions. I guess we'll have to define what kids are. <laughs> when you're talking about uh, the person in power being, you know, a septuagenarian or octogenarian, anybody under 30 is a kid. Fair enough. The, the I would I would argue um, the goalposts have been pushed on age and don't expectations. Disagree. Yeah, don't uh, disagree. Our society has gotten older. No. Uh, so if we want to stay on the, the Biden document thing, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the thing that struck me and I realized, oh, there's so little I, I know about this man. OK. Um, is when they talked about, they were like, yeah, and then we found some more documents uh, in the garage next to his Corvette. And I was like, can you back that up real quick? I was like, you telling me this oldest shit president has a Corvette. Oh, he's got a Corvette, baby. He's got a oh, Stingray. That's yes. beautiful. And he he likes to drive it. As in, like, currently, he likes to go home and drive that thing. Apparently, he's a big gearhead. Yes, yeah, I, I, I mean, if if anything like says it, it's the Ray Bans, it's the it's the aviators, right? Like, there's just something about the way that Joe Biden wears his aviators that you get the sense that he he was the guy who would you know got his first Trans Am when he was in high school. Although actually, let's see, he wasn't a two, Trans Am. It he's was two hundred and sixty uh, years a, old. A Studebaker, so, I think. I, I was gonna say, yeah, was it, he? He probably got like one of the finest like uh, racing horses in uh, the Tri County area. <laughs> uh, what is that stagecoach? Yeah. That's an extra axle, baby. Look at these curtained windows. <laughs> exactly. Privacy. You got you got privacy in Joe Biden's uh, oh stagecoach. <laughs> He is too I, old to be president, but he's, uh, oh my God. Uh, y- 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 yeah. Um, no, he's a, he, he is, he's a, 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 into, into classic cars into like that whole scene. And I, I, like I said to you, I, I feel like that before we started this episode, I feel like, you know, it, it matches with his, his just sort of air that I could see him getting into his Corvette on the weekends, putting on his Ray-Bans and going to some, just ridiculous club like the rooster house and trying to pick up women in his in his old age and just having such a like a, a matthew mcconaughey all right all right all right vibe about him i i feel like he would be trying to pull off like a james dean type of situation oh he probably absolutely. Knew james dean uh they probably went to school together <laughs> went to school together he was he was probably james dean's guidance counselor you know like <laughs> <laughs> But he, was he cool sat backwards in the chair and he was like, let me tell you, man, let me let me tell you how to be cool. <laughs> hey, don't listen to all this other malarkey. You need to 
You need some glasses and a cool jacket. <laughs> and you'll be fine, kid. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, back when it was the, it was like the final year of the Obama presidency, there were all these uh, Joe Biden memes that I always found really hysterical because they always presented Joe Biden as like this firecracker <laughs> and Obama as just really tired really tired and exasperated <laughs> with it with joe yeah and it, it made me want a like joe bama buddy cop series yes like i wanted an animated joe bama yes anime series <laughs> where biden is just this firecracker cop and obama yeah. is two months from retirement <laughs> just wants to be done. I, I remember those because they were all like dad jokes set up and and like obama was always like giving an exasperated joe at the end, nose or his head between his hands. <laughs> and Biden always had like this big cheesy grin. Oh man, that's an era of like I, I miss those jokes. Those are that was a that was a better time. <laughs> that, was, that was a better time. That was uh, that was pre Harambe. Uh huh. Exactly. Uh, which what, what we're talking about here, guys. If you are just joining us, we have determined that our timeline went off the rails when Harambe the gorilla was put down um when the this was back in what 2015 2014 uh, yeah um a, a kid fell into the gorilla enclosure and um they put the gorilla down and we're pretty sure that is when the timeline skewed and we now live in essentially an alternate reality that we we were never supposed to inhabit uh, but it largely explains the um, absolute entropy of the last seven or eight years. Yeah. We've had problems way before that, but it was just, sure. I, I feel like the killing of Harambe definitely set us down. There, there's been an, an escalation because it was like I, it, it, the following year, I think was the year that like, it, it, like Tom Petty, Prince, Alan Rickman, like a bunch of celebrities all died right at the same time. And uh, yeah, David Bowie, David Bowie. Yep. It, it should have been a sign that the end times were in fact on. The, I, I see. Here's the thing. Um, I took revelations very literally, and I keep waiting for the seven headed beast with the 10 horns to open the seventh seal. And since that didn't happen, I did not properly read the, the tea leaves when Harambe died. And should have been like, ah, this is actually one of the signs of the apocalypse. Dude, I can only hope that it is a literal translation. <laughs> like, no, I want to know that this fever dream that he had was actually all very literal. It was all very literal. Oh my God, there's a beast with two backs right there. Yes, and uh, and I think it's Gabriel, you know, blowing the trumpet and and opening the sixth seal. Like I want to I just hear. Walks up on on, <laughs> on OBT here in Orlando. He just walks up. Nobody really looks twice at him because it's OBT. But you know, he's got these big, big fuck off wings, and they're like, oh okay, uh, it's not Easter yet, mate. And then blows a trumpet, and still people will not look twice. They'll just be like, yeah, exactly. Up. You just you just keep on. You don't make eye contact. Just keep keep moving, and <laughs> until the sun turns black like sackcloth, the moon becomes as blood, the skies roll up like papyrus, and the seas boil. Uh, then you're like, oh wow, that guy with the uh, trumpet down in OBT might have been more than just uh, you know somebody looking for. No, a this, is, this is Florida. We'll just be like, oh, it's a hot day. Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> 
Oh, um, shit. Man, we're super political today. Yeah, we are. I mean, you know, unfortunately, that's like what's driving me. Radio levels of <laughs> political. It's what's driving, you know, uh, pop culture right now. Like, I, because I, the thing is, is like somehow the M&M's conversation is a political conversation when it arguably should be one of pop culture. And I, the fact that there is so much bleed between those two makes me deeply uncomfortable for where we're headed as, as a society. Like, I, I don't love this. Can we all try to, as a society, can we try, and this is going to take a lot of work, I'll admit it, this will take a lot of work for everyone, try really hard to drown out the noise, drown out stuff that doesn't matter. Like if a a story hits you like this Eminem thing, you can be like, what? But then take a second and be like, does this actually matter? And just swipe, swipe past it and actually pay attention to like, the Republican House tax proposal. Yes, because they're, you know, we didn't get a chance to touch on this, but maybe we will next week. Like there's a lot of, you know, there, there's a lot of talk right now about uh, like expanding the retirement age so that people have to work longer. And there's protests in France going on about this. And at the same time, you have the Republican House getting ready to, to attempt to put in place cuts on uh, Medicare and Social Security. Um, like those are those are things that warrant actual policy discussion. And if we are losing our mind over whether or not the green M&M is wearing go-go boots, we don't have the mental capacity for the discussions that actually matter and are going to impact our lives. But that takes a degree of introspection. I'm not confident most people have the uh, the mental bandwidth for. Not because I don't think that most people are, are smart enough to parse those two issues, I think that most people are just, in general, mentally overtaxed with with day to day life, and so they can find outrage in M and M's, but they don't really have it in them to to like dig into the you know the stuff that's actually going to like rock their world, which is unfortunate. But I also think that that's part of a corporate plot. Again, the hippie progressive is going to tell you what the real crime is. <laughs> I want to shout out to the French people. Because they do a couple yes. things really well. Okay. Uh, they make really good wine. And yeah. they can protest, buddy. Holy they protest shit, they can protest. Yeah, they don't fuck around. <laughs> there was a, uh, I, I came across, again, it was, it, was, it was a meme. So it was just kind of a joke to okay. exaggerate the point. But the, so right now in France, they, they're t- discussing about raising retirement. Because it, this is yes. This warrants a, lar- a larger conversation, but yeah. we're going to try to condense here because we have other things to get to. <laughs> um, so, in France, retirement age is currently sixty-two. They want to raise it to sixty-four. Okay. Me in America over here, I'm like, oh, it's sixty-seven or until I die. Right. Increasingly, until I die on the job. Yeah, but it's like in France, it's sixty-two. Yeah. It's they won't are thinking about raising it to sixty-four and. The French people are not having it. They're like, I will not work two more years. <laughs> but it's it, it's gotten to a point where it's almost a general strike. Like there are so many people who are protesting and striking about this that it it has it made it very clear that they have crossed a, a, a pretty serious line. And um, I, I'm so curious about this mentality in the United States. Like I, I kind of want to ask people, like, do you legitimately like have you thought this through? Do you really want to work until you die? I think that people want to be 
occupied until they die. I don't think that we want to spend our, our later years in, in boredom and like quiet contemplation. Although that second part actually kind of sounds nice to me, but, uh, I, I think people, but the other piece of that is most people I think have never really explored the kinds of hobbies that would keep them occupied happily. So in retirement, again, because they don't have the bandwidth to like, we're already so overtaxed in American labor that people don't have time to figure out like, would I enjoy building ships and bottles or should I be writing like novels? Um, and so instead they think that what they should be doing is working until they die. And that's so fucking bleak. Yes. Well it is, but I also want to present a counter argument and just say that the whole concept of not working until you die in the grand scheme of, uh, global history is fairly new. It's been proven that at at periods in history where leisure time has been able to expand. So for example, after the introduction of aqueducts in uh, Roman society, when they could like uh, grow crops easier and, and it wasn't quite as manual, one of the things that we got out of that was an explosion in mathematics, in astronomy, because people had time to sit around and think about things. Um, when you give people time to be productive outside of their job, they create. That is that is what drives renaissances in society. So this idea that we should just simply be working to live and working till we die will fundamentally retard the way that society grows and advances. Like it, it just doesn't give people enough time to just sit and think. And when people have time to sit and think, again, they create, they discover. The reason that you know the Greeks basically solved mathematics 4,000 years ago uh, was because they had a lot of time on their hands and uh, we should be, we should be able to give people the opportunity to have the time on their hands, to make those kinds of discoveries, to, to think about those kinds of things, to invent, to, uh, to revolutionize. It shouldn't be something that stops in our early twenties because our jobs start to suck our soul. That I think is the, the, the crime of American labor is, is we have been convinced that your job defines who you are. And I, 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 that I do not agree with. I think that you should have more defining characteristics than strictly your occupation. And uh, you should have the ability to, to create and invent and, and, and think. And that's all very nice. I, you know, we were sold on this idea that advances in technology would you know make our lives easier and we would not have to work as hard and then somewhere along the way they were like oh no people aren't working as hard uh we need to make them work more or pay them less hmm. and, and can we do both exactly and and this is where like i, I ranted about last week late stage capitalism is going to kill everybody because it's it, it is not really about providing product and service in a way that that meaningfully makes people's lives better it's it's about driving bottom lines for a very very small few way way at the top i think there's some insane statistic that like the top 20 wealthiest americans last year made more money than the bottom 40% so 20 people made more money than the lower 40% of, of the United States population. The imbalance of, uh, of, of wealth in this country is fucking insane. And I, I, I'm, I'm not of the belief that we're, gonna, we're headed towards like a civil war, but I do think that we might be headed towards a French revolution because it, it's just unsustainable. Like you can't, you cannot subjugate people. Oh God, that's such a, I don't know that that's the right word. I might have to cut that. <laughs> um, but you, you you can't 
that kind of wealth disparity drives social chaos. It just does. Well, um, that's why they have to give us something to be outraged about, like, um, like progressive M&Ms. There it is. That's what's going on. Yeah, that's it. Use your brains, sheeple. M- <laughs> M&Ms is, uh, Mars Candy is is basically doing their part to stop the proletariat from rising up. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't have any of that kind of nonsense that's going on over in France when they're like, no, I will not work extra two years. <sighs> I'm so... I'm so disappointed in the United States. <laughs> someone someone did a meme where they were like, okay, so let me explain it to you. The French are saying, hey, we think you should have a four-hour lunch instead of a five-hour lunch. And the French people are like, get wrecked. I will launch a missile into the police station. <laughs> uh, all our issues were so black and white so but binary I, I, if a, only a recurring theme is everything lacks nuance it really does and it, it just seems like no one has time for the nuance because it's it's slow it's slow you have to slow down and think and i'm sorry i think it was a, a mr ferris bueller back in the 80s that told us hey life moves fast if you don't stop and look around once in a while you're going to miss it and while ostensibly that's about like, you know, hey, just like have fun in your life. Yes. Uh, I think it's also relevant to this where it's like you need to kind of just slow down and really think about what you're doing, what you're reacting to. And, you know, just chill a little bit. We all need to just chill a little bit. There are serious issues that need to be dealt with we need to not get distracted by two guys on a podcast for an hour talking about (laughs) m&ms this just became really meta i was i was like is i was like is josh talking direct directly to me about like chilling because i'm over caffeinated already this morning is that what's (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how many cups of just just the one just the one but i uh my pour overs are strong so i think i think we need to wrap it up I think we do. Yeah. I think episode there. I'm sorry for it being a more of a, a ranty, uh, potentially divisive episode. Uh, Look, and there was things we didn't get to. Uh, so real quick, are your leftovers trying to kill you? Well, if they? they've been in there for about six months, you might not want to eat them. Yeah. Don't eat them. I might murder your digestive system. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, did so- Josh and Ryan play their lucky numbers? I did not. I did not. They, they were probably winning numbers too. I I have to go back and listen and and, and compare. Try it again, yeah. Uh, And where in the world is Carmen Sandiego currently? Well, I don't know because there hasn't been a new Carmen Sandiego game in years. Yeah, Uh, so no Carmen Sandiego sightings since, uh, what, like 1997? I don't know. (laughs) You can go to, like, I think (laughs) arcadespot.com and play classic Carmen Sandiego. Oh, cool. Oh, man, I'm going to have to do that now. Yeah, she was... Carmen Sandiego always cracked me up uh, because if you think about it, like she's this international thief. She runs a yep. criminal thieving organization. That's their crime. They steal stuff. Yes. Um, but they're not stealing like money or, they're, they're or like the Hope Diamond. They're stealing things of historical or geographical significance. Like all of Mount Rushmore. I, I still don't know how she got away with it. <laughs> it I, makes no I'm sense because I'm like, where are you going to fence that? <laughs> 
<laughs> Who is buying like, Mount Rushmore? Like, hey, I've got the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Uh, I got about 50 quid. I'm sorry, <laughs> Hanging Gardens are just not really in demand, Carmen. It's, it's, nobody, nobody's asking for them, are they? <laughs> a, try the British Museum. They love taking people's shite. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that took a second, but uh, <laughs> that's dark. <laughs> oh shit that's the show that's, that's the show, show that's all i got yep thanks thanks everybody thanks for joining us this week uh well uh i don't know I, i'd say we'll try and tone it down next week but i i, I gotta say i like the energy some yeah I, I might go get some m&ms <laughs> see you next week on see morning next week. radio tbd, TBD.